0: I don't know what part of the country you're living in you got like the worst internet
1: in the history of
2: internet you, you do know what part of the country he's living in
0: i had good internet when i lived there i had it and that was like 20 years ago
1: my neighborhood has one provider that services my neighborhood, and it's TDS and it fucking sucks. <laughs> like, I can't. It's like, oh, hey, Comcast. They're like, ah, oh, we don't service your area. Well, okay. Uh, you know, this, that. I
0: oh, jeez. All right. Well, no free advertising. Let's we'll start the show. Welcome back to the South Den Zone podcast here on the Big Skin Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Tim Popovich and Eric Mulhair timmy welcome back what what are you up to?
2: welcome back where'd I go? I what's going on No, nah, I'm chilling man I'm good. good to be here. I think we got uh we got some good stuff to talk about today. I'm excited for the topic, so let's get it on man yeah this
0: is uh kind of our next to last show before we get into the previews. We got one more kind of just off football topic but uh i'm I'm right there with you. I'm getting pumped up man. It's almost preview season uh Eric. You you still alive over there now that you're after your fourth time of logging into the, to the, you know, to the chat where you can actually do the podcast.
1: Third time. I'm good to go. I'm doing well. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, let's jump right into it. So, uh, boys and judging by Timmy's, uh, display name today, Texas is still not back. Just FYI for any Texas fans that are listening, you guys aren't back, but, you did take a sh- small step in the right direction, and we got news that Arch Manning, Arch Manning, is committed to Texas. And uh, ballpark, Timmy, give me the money total. What do you think the NIL deal's worth?
2: I don't know, man. I mean, we're hearing about some of these kids, you know, at other schools, at you know, Miami and things that just came out getting nine, ten million. I mean. <sighs> If, if I had to spitball, it wouldn't surprise me for that kid to, you know, have gotten in the 15 to $20 million range considering it's Texas uh, and how desperate they are. But I mean, who, who knows really, but you know, like I said, it, it wouldn't shock me at all to find out he got some ridiculous deal, you know, penned in.
0: Oh yeah. I'm right there with you. I, like, I, I think I, like a couple of days ago, I put like, it wouldn't shock me if he he made $20 million on Twitter and I got like crushed by all kinds of people. Like that's crazy. No, no, no way. And then the Miami kid, like there's rumors he gets 10 million and we already know the kid that's going to Tennessee got 8 million and I'm going fucking Arch Manning. You don't yeah, think he the, could get double that kid. Those,
2: those people are, are very naive uh, about <laughs> NIL and they're also very naive about the desperation that Texas has and what they're willing to do to get, guys like arch manning to come to their school
0: well i i I agree with that but eric and i don't know what you think about this i think too i think the numbers are probably getting inflated quite a bit because it's a bunch of lawyers they represent these kids and like that michael caspino guy that represents this kid that went to miami who we'll talk about in a minute he goes on twitter and says no it's a lie that number's a lie whatever but it's that guy that's leaking the number. And I think it's because like lawyers are competing with each other.
1: That's part of it is, is you get these kind of shady people coming out of the woodwork and inserting themselves into this process a lot. Uh, He's one of them, but I I don't know. I don't, I'm to the point where I'm just, I'm so sick of the first question being how much money is he getting? What's the NIL deal look like? I'm just kind of, I hate that it's worked its way into every, like, can the season just start? And can we actually just watch football? Cause it's impossible to talk about off season stuff. It feels like without NIL rearing its ugly head, but yeah, I, I, I don't know that I believe any number like on its face that gets thrown out there. Cause it's all unverified and it's, you know, who know it again, lawyers come out. Well, you know, he turned down however many millions more from this other school to take this deal, which on its face, I think is against the rules. Uh, we would have to, maybe ask Christy about that. She would know better than we would. But from what I understand of the rules, whether he took the most money or he, he's not enrolled yet, I my understanding is he's off limits, but, you know, to colleges. He's from California. Uh, that is a state that allows high school players to sign NIL deals. Uh, the, the whole thing's become kind of a mess, kind of like what everyone thought it would become.
2: Yeah, and, and to be fair, you know, kind of to your point, we also – don't know a whole lot about the contractual language in a lot of these NIA NIL deals and how they're structured. Like, you know, we see a headline of a kid getting, you know, $9 million, but you know, is it, you know, is it all cash money right up front? Is there a bunch of, you know, no, you I think know, lawyer it's, language in there where it's incentives or, you know, other performance
1: things, who the fuck knows, you know? No, I think it's a lot like you see it all the time in NFL contracts. Oh, you know, this guy signed a, you know, hundred and thirty million dollar contract, you know, Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, some some mid tier quarterback. Well, how much of that is guaranteed? Like how much of that picking up 140 million is he gonna actually likely see? And I think my guess my guess is a lot of these are like that, where it's if everything breaks right and he stays in school for five years and he collects every possible cent that he could, he's got NIL obligations that total up to possibly X number, right? And then X number becomes the number gets put out there on Twitter and everyone runs with.
0: Well, and I think too I think a lot of this stuff is going to calm down. Now the numbers may stay high or whatever, but it's really only going to take one person, one rich motherfucker to get truly burned. Like signing a kid to a whatever $15 million NIL deal and then he gets arrested and he whatever, and the guy gets screwed out of his money and he can't get his money back because of contractual language and people are going to get sued and players are going to be suing their representatives and it's it's going to take one of those situations to really curb it. So I think the free market will kind of work itself out in that way.
1: I think some of this, I mean, I, and I've said this before, I think numbers-wise, I think some of this will self-correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to remember, you know, we're 11 months into this kind of quote-unquote era well once you get a couple of years of of kind of results and you see hey you know this we gave that we gave this kid 4 million dollars and in 2 years you know he's he's played like 30 snaps and he hasn't done well and i i think a lot of these guys are going to realize well that's probably not worth it and maybe you'll see more of the NIL stuff geared toward older established players versus recruits
0: yeah i don't know it's weird with all the differences in state laws it makes it difficult to put sort of a blanket regulation on it. So I, th- I think it's going to have to be free market, like just something it's going to have to correct itself. But speaking of people who are just, Oh God, I mean, did you guys, did either one of you guys go and read Billy Napier's open letter to mm-hmm. the fan yeah. base? Yeah. yeah. what uh, I mean, just, okay. Two questions. One, what the fuck? And two, like what is Florida's fan base? So up in arms over the guy has not even coached a fucking game yet. Like Eric, I mean, you're that's right in your backyard. Like hit me with something that makes sense here.
1: You must think I'm dumb. Well, that's going to be tough to do in this situation. (laughs) So they've, they've been kind of, and I don't want to say left at the altar, but they've sort of been like first runner up for a couple of, uh, pretty, pretty highly sought, talented recruits. Uh, one of them being the kid from, from California, the quarterback, Jalen Rashada. I don't, Like they've signed three, four stars in the last four days, yet because of the guys that they've apparently missed on, it, it, a lot of Florida fans um, kind of feel like the walls are caving in and wondering, "Oh God, you know, can this guy hack it?" I was like, "He's been there six months." They're twenty eighth currently for the twenty three class. They're twenty eighth nationally,
0: which means nothing.
1: Which means nothing. Now at this point in the year, you know, signing day is not for another six months almost the early signing day is in six months, but you know, these rankings that you, if you looked them up right now are driven by mostly by volume, right? How many kids have signed? Yeah. So like Texas, so they're Texas a high
0: ranked recruiting class. I mean, what are, right. you know, what are k- k-
1: we talking k- uh, about? Yeah. K state Northwestern, right? you know, yeah. they have nine kids committed. The only team above them with less than 10 is Alabama. Now, if you go by average, uh, individual score right these kids all kind of get graded and evaluate and they get a, a score assigned to them their average score is 12th average player score of their current commits and I actually just saw uh, on Twitter about an hour hour and a half ago they signed a kid I think he's a receiver out of uh, North Paulding High School in Georgia so you know I guess I guess they're up to 10 now but you know the, the guy got hired three weeks before early signing day and he still managed to, to finish up 17th right And, and he. <laughs> He he put in some work that wasn't necessarily a, a complete class when he showed up. So I don't know. A lot of the hubbub apparently has to do with Jaden Rashada and and how that whole situation unfolded.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, get mad about it if you want to. But I mean, Jesus, like the kid's not Tim Tebow. I mean, right. what are we My talking thing is, about?
1: You know, okay, if you missed out on this kid because of NIL money, well, is that Billy Napier's fault? Well, you should know that. No, no, it's not. No, like, you know, they, wh- what they, the strides they've made program wide in terms of, you know, s- facilities, diet, nutrition, strength and conditioning, all that kind of support staff and infrastructure stuff that he talked about when he got hired that they're doing, you know, that's not going to be <laughs> pay dividends in six months, right? You got to, you got to give it a year. So, I don't know. It's very Auburn-ish. It kind of has a, a Tennessee <laughs> feel to it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know what their deal is. I think they're crazy.
0: Oh yeah, I agree. Now, one other piece of breaking news. I, th- I think we can move on from the NIL conversation because it's ninety-five percent speculation anyway. But uh, one thing I did want to touch on, and uh, Timmy, I'm going to get your take on this because this is your your part of your neck of the woods. Uh, we got news that the ACC formally adopted uh, what what I guess I would like to call a 3-5-5 conference schedule starting next season. And so they each team will have three permanent conference opponents that they will play every year, alternating home and away. And they will pick five schools from the rest of the conference to fill out their eight-game conference schedule one year and then the following year they will pick the five others and they will rotate home and away over a four-year period so and then also caveat to that the acc championship now is no longer going to be you know atlantic versus coastal it'll be the two highest similar to what the pac-12 is doing the two highest conference winning percentage teams will go to the championship so initial reactions i mean you being an acc guy do you are you for this are you against it divisions going away all that stuff i mean what's your take
2: now the overall concept of it i'm in favor of um and i think we're gonna see the other power five conferences get in line with this uh, very shortly because it just makes sense the division format never really been a huge fan of um, especially when you have you know one side with a group of teams that's significantly better than the other side and you know you end up with a, a conference championship game that's like the 12 and 0 Clemson against like you know 7 and 5 you know Pitt like really <laughs> Are you kidding me like yeah. overall this will be better for the conference but the the one piece i think they kind of whiffed on was this assignment of primary opponents you know they gave every team three teams that they will play every year um and and i feel like there's a majority of the teams on here where you kind of scratch your head a little bit where you're like really they're gonna play them every year and not these guys over here no Um, yeah like you know eric stole the words out of my mouth in the group chat when he said you know like for virginia tech you know they got Pitt, uva and wake forest and it's like where's miami you know like I would much rather see them play Miami every year than wake forest. Like that's, you know, just a better rivalry in my opinion, but that's my only gripe with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now caveat to that is not, no one's going to get jazzed up about playing Syracuse or Duke every single year. Right. Like, I mean, no one's going to get their, their three ideal permanent opponents, but yeah. uh, Overall, I think it's, it's, better for them, especially getting rid of divisions. Like, wasn't there a year where like four teams finished four and four in the conference and as far as who was going to go play Clemson, like that other side of it was just a mess. It's been like the majority of the time the last like seven or eight years. Yeah. I was about to say,
0: I, I think North Carolina squanked it out and ended up going and losing to them. So, I
1: don't know. It, like, I mean, like we always say, get the two best teams out there. Right? Yeah. Regar- regardless of which side uh, they would be. And I think that's what Everyone's going to end up going to uh maybe not the Big Ten just because there's so many teams in it, but yeah, ho- this is the kind of schedule model I think I would like to see from conferences. Like, I don't know why the SEC hasn't done it yet, you know. Like, well, the, like AM's been in the SEC for this is going to be the 10th year. I think Georgia's played their once I don't think they're going to have much of a choice here in a
2: couple of years when Texas and Oklahoma come on board because at that point, you know, well, they're kinda, not kinda forced their hand,
1: they're not, but it's. It's just one of those, like, it's such a a good idea, yet simple. Like, why didn't they do this already? Like, you know, these conferences are run by smart people. Like, how did they not come up with this?
2: And, and, you know, we already kind of saw this, you know, in the COVID year, really. And I think that's where a lot of this came from is, you know, the commissioners of the conferences got together and was like, hey, this is actually like
1: a really good format. Maybe we should look into doing this permanently. Probably. I'm sure there's an SEC school's like, oh man, hold on. My fans are going to be more jazzed up and I can sell more tickets when we play, you know, South Carolina than if we play Eastern Michigan. Well, no shit. Of course they are. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you do this every year? Well, that was,
0: uh, you know, if, and of course, if Tim was the commissioner, then, uh, you know, Vandy and, uh,
1: right. Relegation. Yeah. Prop-
0: Probably Missouri are getting booted out of the SEC and, you know, see you later. So. Hey,
2: man, I'm I'm just going to get up on my soapbox one more time. I mean, do you really think the the fan base at Vandy enjoys watching them get the shit kicked out of them eight games a year?
1: Uh, would, would they be someone that you would think would know anything? There's always baseball.
0: I, I'm with you. I think it's a good thing to have your two best teams in the championship. I agree with Eric there. there there's no question. But I do... I just wonder if like all this like, OK, well, we're going to eliminate divisions like is that I mean, there's a lot of implications to that because now I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like college football is becoming less and less geographically relevant. Like it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what state you play in. Here's your three permanent fucking conference opponents. And they might be in New York and uh, Missouri and you're in Florida. <laughs> it's like, what, what the hell? That didn't make any sense. I mean, I,
2: well, I, th- I think that has more to do with the, the conference realignments that have happened so many times over the last couple of years, because I mean, if you think about it, 20 years ago, the conferences were majority geographically based. You know, you didn't have, you know, the Missouris in in the Southeastern Conference. Because when you look at the United States map, they're not in the Southeastern part of the United States. So I think that's, that's what drove a lot of that stuff. But, you know, the one thing it does do... That, that I kind of like is it shakes up the end of the year when you get in those scenarios where there might be playoff implications or, you know, New Year's six bowls on the line and you got one team playing in a conference championship game and another team that's not. And, you know, the team in the conference championship takes an L and they end up losing out on, you know, maybe a bigger prize than what that team that didn't play in um, ends up getting just by virtue of not playing a game. So I, I think that shakes that up a little bit, and I like that.
0: Yeah, I I guess ultimately the biggest thing that I'm afraid of is like losing valuable games every year. Like I can't imagine a year where Alabama just doesn't play LSU. If the SEC does that and they give us three conference opponents and say it's Auburn, Tennessee and Georgia, for example, like what? You telling me I don't get to watch Alabama LSU every year? I mean, it just—it's like you. I mean, you just said like Virginia Tech doesn't get to play Miami every year. What the fuck? Like that's a great game to watch, and now I gotta—I only get to see it once every two years. You know,
1: it's—I can't and, imagine that LSU would not be one of their primary opponents.
0: I mean, you would think, but geographically, does that make sense? Because once Oklahoma and Texas come over, I mean, Alabama, Georgia would make more sense geographically speaking, you know, it's close. I mean, Athens is closer to Tuscaloosa than Baton Rouge. So I I don't know how they'll do that.
2: Yeah, but I don't, I don't know that there's a hundred percent fail safe answer to any of these, you know, scheduling format changes. I think there's always going to be a little give and a little take and, you know, it all just depends on what's more palatable to to the bottom line for the conferences and for the teams. That's ultimately what it's going to be about.
0: You're probably right. Well, Eric, do you have anything else on uh, the scheduling or any of the NIL stuff or Arch Manning uh, not bringing Texas back? Before I turn this over to Tim,
1: no, he's not. I mean, he alone is not bringing Texas back. It's it's one of those. I don't I don't know how good he. I don't think anyone knows how good he is like a lot of these quarterback evaluations are done in like showcase events and summer camps and stuff like that. I actually like tried to pull up highlight clips of him. Boy, I, I don't know what you could glean from those. Cause
0: he, he looks like, like he's, he's playing biggest, against,
1: he's the biggest eighth graders. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. He looks like he's playing against JV kids. I, I don't know if that's because he's just yeah. that good or if like the competition he's playing against sucks. I don't, I don't know.
1: Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, as far as like level, I, I would have serious questions about. Now, having said all this, you know, obviously I defer to the professionals in the room, the Sabins and Smarts and Sarkeesians of the world. I I get it, but like, I don't know how the regular fan can act like they have any idea how good this kid's going to be because he's the biggest person on his team, right? Either side of the ball. And I, I saw a clip where he. He takes a snap, he kind of rolls out, uh, nothing's there, and he scrambles for maybe a 10 or 12 yard gain. The the defensive end chasing him from, from the left side is if I had to ballpark it, I would say somewhere around 5'9, 240. <laughs> I mean, it looks like an eighth-grade defensive end, you know, chasing him. And he is, boy, he is not bless his heart the kid is not moving very fast it's like how do you how do you tell how good someone is when they when they're playing at this level so i don't know i mean he's still got a whole year of high school left he's gonna show up in texas uh quinn Ewers presumably will be in his third year so
2: well that's the interesting thing for me is if you're steve sarkeesian how do you look quinn Ewers in the eye in week one and ask him to go out and lead your football team when this kid knows that next year He's probably not going to be around. I think that's a really difficult situation for Steve Sarkeesian to be in. I think it's a really difficult situation for Quinn Ewers to be in. You know, he's obviously going to play, want to play as well as he can, just for his own personal interest. But I think it just creates a really interesting scenario for for what's going to happen next year. See,
0: I'm on the other side of it. Oh. I think Manning's yeah, ass I- will be sitting, and Ewers will be taking the snaps, and that's why I kind of you know, said, Hey, I bet the kid got a massive NIL deal because he's not going to play right away.
2: Hey, that is how, that is how the rational person thinks, but we're dealing with Texas fans here. Okay. When Arch Manning is not unanimously named the starter, when he (laughs) enrolls in school, they're going to be burning couches with pitchforks on Steve Sarkeesian's (laughs) front lawn. Okay. I mean, come on.
1: No, it's, I, I think he, I think you're making a little more of the, the maybe something that's not there, like some sort of, uh, I don't want to say quarterback controversy, but like some sort of some issue there, like the best player is going to play. And I, I wouldn't expect, you know, unless Quinn Ewers goes out and is just remarkably mediocre this year. I like, I don't know that Arch Manning would have gone anywhere and started day one. Like, would, hey, he, would, I he, just, have, would, would he have showed up to Georgia and started day one? I don't think so. I don't think I he would have gone to Alabama my- and started day one.
2: I just got my Texas fan thinking cap on, man. That's uh, all I, I'm I don't saying. Know.
1: I don't think that's any reasonable person's expectation. Like, if he wanted to start day one, he'd have, he'd have gone to Missouri. Again, reasonable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, like you said, we've got a, got a couple of years before we enter the Manning era at uh, Texas. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. But uh Tim I'm kicking this thing over to you man. What what are we doing? Are we doing start b- start bench cut? I, I don't even know what the thing I don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah. So we're going to play a little game here on the South End Zone podcast Shocker. um you know a little light lightheartedness before we start our previews here next week. But we're going to do the the South End Zone version of mary fuck kill. I'm sure everybody's kind of familiar with that kind of game and we've titled it start bench cut, right? So the, the basic format is, is we're, we're each going to give each other three players, uh, either, you know, from a, a team or like a group of positions, as long as the, the three, you know, entities have a common denominator, right? It's, it's three um, apples,
1: and, not apple, orange, yep,
2: grapes. I guess. We'll, we'll I'll kick it off first, just so that you guys can get an understanding of the format. I'm going to start with Jason. Oh, so. Bring that shit. Jason's Jason's uh, three guys that he has to either start, bench, or cut uh, are going to be a group of quarterbacks from the Big Ten. Ooh. So he's going to have to categorize one of his uh, elite talents from last year. Young Tagovailoa is going to be the first guy on the oh list. Oh, my God.
0: Such a fucking second- shot. Good God. <laughs> right out of the gate. I can't believe you. The, the fucking nerve. Uh-
2: <laughs> Uh, the second quarterback is Graham Mertz. Uh, and then the third, it gets rounded out with Cade McNamara. So Jason assemble your quarterback room at Jason Bailey university and start bench and cut those three.
0: Okay. So Valoa, McNamara and Graham Mertz. Oh, geez. All right.
1: Well, are you required to start anybody?
0: I was gonna say, at this rate, I'm <laughs> I'm grabbing a running back and throwing him in at quarterback. But okay, if I've got, i got start and bench and cut one of these fucking guys. Okay, I can tell you with an absolute certainty, the dude that's getting cut right out of the gate is Graham Mertz. He fucking sucks. I don't want him on my team. He it ugh, Just no. Get him out. I'm not even going into detail. He's trash. Get him out. He sucks. Just off of principle after what Tunga did to me last year against Iowa when he threw five interceptions. He's riding the pine. <laughs> I'm gonna put <laughs> I'm gonna put him on the bench because he threw five picks and screwed me. I guess I'm gonna go into the season with Cade McNamara as my starting quarterback.
2: <sighs> oh man, the Harbaugh maneuver. I can, um,
0: I mean, we don't even know that that guy is going to start at Michigan. It might be JJ McCarthy. I don't know, but
2: very true. Uh,
0: God, Tonga Valoa, man, he's had. Fl- I mean, it's a tough one because he's shown flashes of being good. Like he's had some, you know, 350, 400 yard games. You know what? I would probably be better served to just start Tonga Valoa and deal with the interceptions. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to change my pick. I'm just just going to oh! go. I'm going to start Tonga Valoa because. I feel like his problem is just the talent around him sucks. So I feel like if he played for Michigan and if he's playing at Jay- Jason Bailey University, we're going to have some talent at Wild out. So give me Valoa, and I'm just going to deal with the turnovers, man. That's, that's all I can do. McNamara's going to the bench. Got it. And Mertz, he's out. He's cut.
2: I knew I could give you a scenario where I could get Valoa in the starting lineup. I knew it.
1: I, I'll tell you what. And I didn't 3,800 yards and 26 touchdowns last year. The I I would go with him as well, just because I think the best case scenario for Tagovailoa is is way better than you're going to get best case scenario from either of those other two. Yeah, he's
0: a he's a much higher ceiling. So that's, you know, comes with good pedigree. Brother plays in the NFL. I don't know. Jesus, I can't believe that. All right. Unbelievable.
2: Good stuff. Good stuff. That's kind of a sadist version of. Yes, it it was. What a
0: dick. What a dick move.
2: All right, so Jason, now that uh, you're off the hot seat, I'll turn it over to you, and I'll let you pick either me or Eric to go first for your first round.
0: All right, I'm going to hit Eric with this one because I feel like this is right in his wheelhouse. All right, so I'm going to turn it up a notch. I'm going to hit him with three position groups. Now, Eric, you are building your team at Mulhair University. They're about to sign their first position group, and I'm going to hit you with three groups of players. Okay. The first one you get to choose from is Alabama's pass rushers. Okay. So you've got uh, Tim Anderson or uh, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell. Dallas Turner, yeah. And uh, Braswell. Anderson and Turner combined for 36 sacks last year. So that's your first group of players. Like I say, Anderson, Turner, and Braswell. That's their three big dogs. Okay. The second group of players. Is the Georgia tight end core, which includes Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, and Eric Gilbert. Okay.
1: And Oscar. Uh,
0: Well, yeah, him too. I mean, he probably won't even sniff the field, but
1: sure. Might not. And
0: then the last position group that I'm going to give you is the Ohio State wide receiver core, and that includes Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, and Emeka Egbuka. And so you've got to choose. One of these position groups to build your team around. What are you taking? Alabama's pass rushers, Georgia's tight ends, or Ohio State's wide receivers?
1: So I'm. I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bench Ohio State's wide receivers because.
0: <laughs> Whoa! Because Wait, you're the, benching them or cutting them?
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Cutting them. Uh, they're they're savage. Ooh. They, re- regardless of how highly I think of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, And he is fantastic. I think there are more unknowns and questions than with either of these other two. Uh, Alabama's pass rush, I know exactly what I'm getting. uh, And that is pure dominance and violence and nightmare fuel. (laughs) And for that reason, I'm going to bench Georgia's tight ends. Because for as insanely talented as that group of guys is you can only do so much and you can only affect a game in so many ways with four tight ends. Like you're going to put them all out on the field at once. Like, I don't even know if you can really credibly run any three tight end sets. Yeah. Unless you're Stanford. I mean, that's yeah. Unless I'm, unless I'm B and just running out the heavy package and then having tight ends doesn't mean no good. I'd be just as well off with tackles. <laughs> so uh, just because the limited uh, relative Limited upside of having that many good tight ends, and they are good.
0: I mean, they're pro- they're arguably the best tight end room that's ever been assembled in college football history.
1: Yeah, probably. I can't. I mean, I can't think of a team that had three tight ends as good as these guys. I mean, Oscar Delp would be day one starter at a hundred colleges,
0: and he's the fourth string you know, guy. And he might.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's going to end up probably redshirting. But you, you know, when you look at Alabama's pass rush, um, because I think one thing when you talk about will anderson and how dominant he was last year really kind of overshadowed dallas turner who was a freshman by the way i mean that guy is unreal as well yeah. and i think this might be kind of a breakout season for him so i think alabama's pass rush would affect the game a lot more than Georgia's tight end so i will take them They i'm starting them
2: very very fair argument and uh very eloquently put i like that pains me.
0: Yeah, I know you're a Bowers guy. I wanted to see if you had the nuts to start him and bench Alabama's pass rush.
2: Hey, this segment is not for the faint of heart, okay? So <laughs> Nope. All right, Eric, who are, who are you flame spraying and what kind of shit you got on the docket here? What Sunbelt players are we going to have to research real quick?
1: I'm actually I ha- I have a couple um I couldn't decide on one and how how I framed this was kind of going to depend on the order we went. Since it's you, you know, I'm not going to do that because you already gave Jason quarterbacks. I was going to give you Sam Hartman, Malik Cunningham, and Devin Leary, but <laughs> damn, I'm going to, which maybe we can do that like bonus round. That we have time after, uh, SEC running back transfers, uh, Jameer Gibbs transferred from Georgia tech to Alabama. Noah Kane transferred from Penn state to LSU and Zach Evans, uh, former TCU horned frog is now at Ole Miss. So Gibbs, Evans, Kane. All right. Interesting.
2: I think the first guy that I'm going to take off the list and start is uh, going to be Jameer Gibbs. I I think Alabama has an eye for running backs historically. So if if they're bringing a guy in, uh, it's for a damn good reason. Um, So I I think that he's going to be probably the the cream of this crop right here. Um, But as far as the other two go, um, who you said Noah Kane. Yep. Penn State's running attack really last year and in the last couple of years really hasn't done a whole lot for me. And the fact that he's going down to LSU, probably a better situation for him personally. But like, like I said last week, the team around him is going to suck. I don't know that he's going to have the blocking, the quarterback play and the receiver play that he's going to need to be successful. So he's cut. And then that leaves, uh, who was the third guy? Zach Evans. Yeah. You know, just by, virtue of default he's gonna be riding the bench uh backing up jameer gibbs you know lane kiffin probably can do a lot more for this kid than brian kelly can do for noah kane i'll, I'll take him to back up jameer gibbs uh, on my running back squad
1: fair enough how would you stack him, jason because i think i'd be tempted to put zach evans at the top of that list
0: i would as well because evans is such a beast
1: uh, i mean if you're well, he's also not going to the team with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Also,
0: that, you know, for me, I guess if you're if I'm actually building a team here and I'm actually going to go play legit games, and I'm trying to win ball games, I think Gibbs or Evans, either one is fine. I mean, they're they're both gonna you know Gibbs probably more of the bail cow type. He's a little bigger, you know, a little bit more of a hard nosed runner kind of dude, but if you're talking just statistically speaking, I think Evans could have a fucking monster season and just put up video game numbers. So I, it's kind of just pick your poison for those two guys. I feel like they're interchangeable, like you said, but I agree with Tim that Noah Kane, he's not cutting the mustard in that group. I would have been much more interested to hear Devin Leary, Sam Hartman, and fucking
1: <laughs> you should have done. You should have done Brennan. You should have <laughs> done
0: Brennan Armstrong instead. <laughs>
1: I thought about it. he was almost my third instead of <laughs> Devin Leary. But I was like, no, that's too easy because he's going to automatically bench him. You got to be cutthroat, man. You got to be cutthroat. Yeah, we're going to
0: do a bonus round of that. Book it. That's, hap- that's happening.
1: All
2: right. So we're we're going to go around the room again, um, staying in the same uh, current year format, and then we'll each get another turn to do the, uh, the second format. So this time it's Eric's turn on the hot seat with a uh, group of quarterbacks. And the big spinning wheel of death gave you the SEC quarterbacks. So you have to start, bench, or cut Spencer Rattler, Hendon Hooker,
1: and Will Levis. Eric, let's see what you got. This is tough. Um, Are these guys running my offense or the offenses they currently run?
2: um so just for argument's sake we'll we'll say that they're going to be running the offenses that they're currently running okay i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: implement whatever suits them best yeah that would be the smart thing to do mm-hmm. then i am going to start and i can't these are words i never a year ago i never thought would come out of my mouth i'm gonna start hendon hooker
2: Oh, Ooh, oh son. God. you kidding me
1: I am, uh, because uh, Hendon Hooker for Tennessee last year, if I remember correctly, was something like 30 touchdowns and three picks, and they averaged uh, nearly 40 a game, so he can get it done for me uh, in that offense. Can't say I blame you, man. <sighs> Dr. Thunder. Well, see, this is tough for me, because <laughs> I I don't know what offense does suit him best, because I haven't seen it.
0: Well, you saw it his freshman year. I mean, his freshman year, he went I off. He He did. I Maybe mean, the number one, he was the number one guy in the Heisman going into last season.
1: Yeah, but then they ran that same offense and I still I still kind of think he was hurt. But they ran that same offense last year and he he didn't look like the same guy. Um, he wasn't making the same type of throws and he wasn't really driving the ball. But I don't like for me Will Le- Levis is the odd man out here. Um I know that Kentucky kind of outperformed expectations and I know there's has been talk of him being like a top 10 or top 5 pick. I I just don't see it. So and call me a hater, I guess. But of, of these three, uh, I would cut Will Levis. I would bench Dr. Thunder, which would not be a, a real new phenomena for him. And I would start Hendon Hooker.
2: Man, Eric, about to be penning an open letter to the fan base <laughs> of Mulhair Tech over here. That's
1: right. Uh, he might be coaching
0: Mulhair Community College shortly after making those decisions.
1: Might be. That- Juco
0: tough. <laughs>
2: In all seriousness, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I, I think Hendon Hooker is probably has the most potential out of those three based on what he did last year. The the only interesting thing for me would be see if he can do it again. I'm familiar with him from his days at Virginia Tech, and it still pisses me off to this day that, you know, he really wasn't that great there. And then he goes to Tennessee and all of a sudden he gets some different coaching and he's a world beater. You know, it'll be
1: interesting, man. He didn't even start at the beginning of the year. It was the, the no. kid that transferred from Michigan. So I, I think it's reasonable to expect that he'll have a better season just because he'll actually play all the games. He'll be the starter. He'll be the guy going in. He'll get the first team reps in fall camp. He'll, you know, I don't, I don't think 36 or 38 touchdowns is, is out of the realm of possibility for that guy. Mm. Dark horse Heisman. Stop.
0: He plays for Tennessee.
2: Get out of here.
1: All right. Let's see some. So it's my turn, right? Cause I just went. So, uh,
2: yeah you can you can fire away for the next round, Eric.
1: <sighs> okay, I was gonna go with with a uh, position group, but instead I'm just gonna go towards Clemson, specifically Clemson's defense. So Jason, uh, you've just taken over as you're replacing Brent Venables as the defensive coordinator at Clemson. I'm telling you that you can only keep two of these guys and one of the two you keep, you can only start one. and that is miles Murphy, <sighs> Brian Breesey, and Trenton Simpson, the linebacker.
0: Mm. Man, I knew this was going to happen. I almost had this position group in there. Uh, Instead of Ohio State's wide receivers, I almost used Clemson's defensive line there. Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) all three of them are probably first-round picks. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, but if you're just going to force me to start one and bench one and cut one, I'm going to,
1: st- yeah, man, scholarship limits.
0: Yeah. Th- then I'm going to start. Oh God. I'll probably start Brian Brzee and bench miles Murphy. I can't believe that just came out of my mouth and, uh and cut Simpson. So I, uh, I don't know, but I-, I feel
1: like there's no good choices. there. I
0: feel, I-, <laughs> I feel like there's, yeah. I mean, they're all freaks of nature. <laughs> it's a, it's like you're cutting, and starting, and benching the same player, basically. I
2: mean, they're all. No matter what decision you make, you get fired for cutting. Pretty much, yeah. That?
1: I mean that. Yeah, and I'm and I'm starting a stud. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean it's it's no. I think I might start Miles Murphy because he's been hurt a handful of times. He's missed some time. Right.
0: right? Yeah. He's uh, he's supposedly healthy. So as long as he's healthy, I'm going to put him in and bench Murphy and cut the other guy.
2: Yeah, I think we've seen that. College, slightly different than the NFL, you know, in the respect of the defensive linemen seem to be more important than the linebackers because they can wreak more havoc, you know, getting into the backfield and stuff the run and getting after the quarterback. So I would put a little bit more value on the linemen than I would the linebacker, even though, like you said, they're all freaks of nature.
0: Yeah, probably not wrong.
2: All right, Jason. Your, uh, your turn to put Eric on the firing squad for the, uh, the closeout of the first round.
0: No, he's got, you. I was about to say, no, I'm,
2: Oh, is was, it my turn? Saying, no, oh, I'm putting shit. you on the firing squad. Oh. Well, excuse me. Let's all go. Right.
0: Well, all right. So the mad Hungarian needs uh, a head coach of his university. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some tears here. Okay. You can take an established guy. You could take an up-and-coming guy or a guy who's, yeah, I would say on the cusp. Okay, so what choices I'm going to give you? Your established guy that you can take is Brian Kelly.
2: Okay. Okay. You, know?
0: <laughs> you can take him and, you know, build a winning program and all of the above. You know what comes with Brian Kelly. Uh, your second choice is your mid-tier pretty well established guy would be the guy that you said was building a fucking monster is Matt Campbell. And then your up and comer is uh, your boy at Virginia, Tony Elliott. So you can take an up and coming offensive guru, Tony Elliott. You can take Matt Campbell from Iowa state, or you can take Brian Kelly, pick your poison who's coaching Popovich university.
2: Well, we're getting the easy answer out of the way. And Brian Kelly is not stepping foot on my <laughs> campus. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm real serious when I say that I'm not, I don't think that he is a very good football coach. He, he gets a lot of, you know, hype for what he did at Cincinnati and what he did at Notre Dame. But I don't, I didn't see a whole lot of development of players when he was at those schools. Is he a good recruiter? Yeah, I think he's probably a better recruiter than than most coaches. But if you can't do anything with those kids over the longevity of their time at, at your school, then what good are they to you? You know what I mean? So I'm not a buyer. He's cut. Now, it's a little bit tougher for me to decide between Matt Campbell and Tony Elliott. I think the, the best choice out of the two would probably be to go with Tony Elliott. You know, he's an offensive minded guy, which seems to bode well for a lot of college football coaches. You know, they can scheme and they can recruit to their philosophy. Um, And a lot of times they can just put up video game numbers on offense and then not even have to worry about the other side of the ball. You know, big 12 format. The only reason that I wouldn't take Matt Campbell over Tony Elliott is because I haven't quite seen enough of Matt Campbell to feel comfortable taking him at the big time university that I'm coaching. Um, So I'm going to take a flyer on Tony Elliott first. And if he sucks, then he gets fired and Matt Campbell steps up to replace him. So that's my list. Oh,
0: my God. You're fired on day one. Could have had Brian Kelly hired Tony Elliott. Oh, geez. Brutal. Your fan base. Brian
1: Kelly has nine double digit win seasons and two now, and this is including his, his time coaching division two back to the nineties. He has two losing seasons ever. Irrelevant. (laughs) Oh my God. You're (laughs) straight, straight up.
2: I am a hater. hater. I'm a hater.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was, I was hoping I could get you to, to wean and take Brian Kelly as your head coach,
2: but absolutely not. I'm a man of my principles.
0: That's Unbelievable. Well, does that conclude round two? Because if, we, if it does, then I've got a, an email that we need to read.
2: Well, it does conclude the round. Do you want to do the mailbag session now, or do you want to do it at the end? Uh,
0: well, I've got a couple of other mailbag sessions, but I feel like we need to read this one now because it is very pertinent to the discussion. Okay. So, Well, send yeah. it. So uh, our favorite listener, that damn guy, is back in the emails, and I got a very angry email from that damn guy. So he writes, and, you know, there again, if you're a listener, feel free to reach out to us. We really enjoy reading emails. But our favorite guy, that damn guy, he says, uh, South End Zone Pod, guys, just when I thought you guys were turning the corner, you'd take the bus off a cliff. (laughs) He said, Brian Kelly isn't going to have as good a season as Billy Napier. Napier couldn't be a GA under Brian Kelly. <laughs> Someone's going to have to show Billy Napier how to operate his headset on game day. Brian Kelly has more wins as a head coach than Napier has actual days spent as a head coach. You guys mistook a fake Southern accent and bad dance moves for a bad coach. When the lights come on and Tiger Stadium is rocking, there won't be a grittier team on the field anywhere in the country. I wish he was still leading my Irish, but newsflash, it's a lot easier to win titles at LSU than it is at Notre Dame. Ed Orgeron took the program to the dump, and Kelly will have it back to prominence before you can say go Irish. Look for nine-plus wins this year from LSU, but look for 12 from South Bend. Signed,
2: nine, Nine-plus? Nine-plus this year? With who? Jeez, man. All right. Yeah. He doesn't agree with your
0: assessment of Brian Kelly. And I got to say, frankly, I don't either. Not to say that I think he's going to be great at LSU, but Tony Elliott, are you fucking kidding me? Hey, That's the worst hire I've ever heard of in my life. You're never allowed to be. And I thought, like, I'm challenging your rule as college football commissioner after that kind of
2: horseshit. Hey. Hey man, we'll we'll see, we'll see, we'll we'll fire it up in the uh, NCAA 2024 video
1: game, and we'll check the results at the end of the year. Brian Kelly's averaged 11 wins a year for the last five seasons. Tim,
0: good good for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you. Hey guys, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You can throw down on all your major action that you want to watch, baseball, golf, MMA, whatever you like. Plus, with the same game parlay, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options... Feel endless. I personally love to bet on my Atlanta Braves and laid a bet on them tonight against the Phillies. So hopefully that one comes through for me and you can lay a bet on your favorite team. And best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit or withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Make your first deposit and get a risk free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for the details.
2: All right, gentlemen. We're gonna kick off the second round of our start bench cut round robin here. I'll kick it off for the first go around, and I'm gonna go with Eric first. So, Eric, I'm going to give you a choice of a bunch of USC all-time greats. And cut you, off my list. Yeah, you're gonna have to start bench or cut Reggie Bush, Keyshawn Johnson, and Troy Polamalu. So hit me
1: with it. So I'm going to cut Troy Polamalu because the value provides... The Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. Because in college he was just a really really good player. And how how much good does a great safety do for you compared to how much good does a great wide receiver do for you? So so this one's kind of like value and how much do his contributions go towards winning a game? I don't safety. Know. Go,
2: go look at the Super Bowl rings got in his trophy case <laughs> we'll see about that.
1: None of which he earned while playing at USC. Uh, fair enough. So fair when enough. you're when you're a safety, you're impacting a lot of plays a little bit at a time. Uh, when you're a receiver, you're at you're impacting fewer plays potentially, but in a much much larger way. So for that reason, I'm going to bench Troy Polamalu because, for as great as he was, even in college, you mean cut? I do mean cut. That's God. That's the third time I've done that. Uh, I'm going to cut Troy Polamalu because from a safety. Defense, you know, the value is just not there. Uh, I'm going to bench Keyshawn Johnson because Reggie Bush is maybe one of the five best college football players I've watched in my life ever. That, that dude was just a complete laser show uh, for two solid years, and I, I'd be insane to not start him.
2: Mm. Yeah, and you can split him out at receiver too and get two for one. So,
1: yeah, I could put him in the slot. I could, I kicker, turner, yeah,
2: whatever. I, I He's
1: a complete package.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough all right jason uh you're up next hit us with it all
0: right so i'm hitting you with three former superstars from your favorite school the university of virginia
2: oh oh boy
0: these guys are fucking superstars man let me tell you what all right so i'm gonna name these three guys i'm not gonna tell you their names until the end of it okay but Uh, Just to give you a little breakdown on these dudes. Uh, The first guy was the ACC Freshman of the Year in 1994, three years all conference, and was drafted. He's a five time all pro and he has a Super Bowl ring. Okay. Second guy, ACC Player of the Year in 96, finished his college career with just shy of 4,000 yards rushing and 34 touchdowns, got drafted. He has a appearance in the Super Bowl, but uh, they lost, and he finished his NFL career with 15,000 yards and 67 touchdowns as a pro. And then the last guy was first-team All-ACC in 1996, finished college with 381 tackles, spent 15 seasons in the NFL. He's got two Super Bowl rings, finished with over 1,000 tackles. So these three guys are Rondé Barber, Tiki Barber, and James farrier
2: yeah good uh good list from from UVA's uh, all-time squad there uh, the only uh, only snub that that I see on there is uh, it's it's kind of a shame Heath Miller didn't make the list I think he's he's definitely deserving of that but for for the purposes of this segment uh, I am going to cut James farrier.
0: The longtime Steeler linebacker that won
2: two Super Bowls uh, with your boys—I am. It, it pains me to do it, but uh, kind, kind of to Eric's point—you know, the linebacker uh, against Tiki Barber and Rondé Barber. I, I don't, I don't see the value in that. So James, I'm sorry to do it to you, buddy. Mind you, you're, you're I'd like
0: to point out that this guy, when he was a freshman, okay, came off the bench against Ohio state and made 18 fucking tackles. Like the dude was hey, a he, tackling machine. He was like Bobby Boucher he, in college. <laughs> he
2: he was, he was a beast in college. He was, a, he was a really good player in the NFL, but if you're going to ask me to choose between him and Rondé Barber uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to take Rondé Barber all day long. That guy was you know, he was a really good cornerback uh, in college. Um, he was a really good cornerback in the NFL, too. So I I, I respect the, the position of cornerback a little bit more than linebacker in this instance, just given the level of play. But, you know, Tiki Barber has to be the starter out of all these guys. Uh, that guy was a machine uh, in the backfield. He, he was a, a wrecking ball Uh, all in college, Um, his time with the Giants and the NFL. Uh, That guy's an all-time great, just period. So I'd I'd be stupid not to start him. So I'm starting Tiki, benching Rondé, and cutting James. Sorry, James. Mm.
0: I was going to see if I could get you to hang on to James Ferrier for the Steelers' homerism, but now you pulled through and you cut
2: him. Yeah, it pains me to do it, but I Mm. did. Interesting. All right. The
1: Barber Twins.
2: It's Eric's turn to put somebody on the hot seat.
1: Yep. I got uh, I got Jason this round. Bring that weak-ass shit. Choices, choices. I wasn't sure what you guys were going to pick, so I came up with six. Um,
0: <laughs> Why not?
1: And then uh, one of them I kind of lined out because it's sort of weak. But uh, I'm going to hit you with, you know, you talked about them earlier, always wanting to, to play them, and that's LSU. LSU defensive players. <sighs> First one, Patrick Peterson, who won the Bednarik Trophy, the Tatum Trophy, the Thorpe Award, and was a two-time All-American. First-round draft pick, fifth overall. Mm. Uh, Teron Matthew, who also won the Bednarik Award and was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year and an All-American. The honey Badger. And the last guy, maybe not as big a name professionally as these guys, but in college he was an absolute nightmare. And that is Glenn Dorsey, Ooh, uh, who won who was a two-time All-American, drafted fifth overall by, I believe, the Chiefs, uh, won the Nagurski Award, the Lot Award, the Lombardi Award, the Outland Trophy, just a fantastic defensive player for LSU and about the kind of late aughts. So Matthew Peterson Dorsey, who you got?
0: Oh, this one's easy, man. It's easy money. All right, first thing, Patrick Peterson. I watched that guy in college get dominated like three different times by Julio Jones, one-on-one. Couldn't cut the mustard against Julio. And I think those other two players just overall bring more value to the table. So I'm going to cut Patrick Peterson. I know he's had a great, great pro career. His college, <laughs> his college career was elite. But Pat P, you're gone. You're cut. Bye-bye. Um, now, as far as the Honey Badger versus Glenn Dorsey, I'm going to bench Glenn Dorsey because I think while he is one of the most ferocious defensive lineman that i've ever seen i actually have a friend who played for alabama in 2007 i grew up with this guy and uh i went to school with him and after i he was two years behind me so after i graduated two years later he went to alabama and in 07 when we played lsu he played center he played against dorsey and he said my back is still fucked up 10 years later from glenn dorsey said he's the meanest baddest son of a bitch that i've ever lined up across from and to me, he played in the SEC, so it's saying a lot. But even with all of that, dude, the Honey Badger is starting. He's a game changer. The dude is just a playmaking, ball hawk, just highlight machine. And he's done it at you know every level he's ever been at. Uh, he can do it all. He can return kicks. He can knock the shit out of somebody. He can strip the ball. He can go up and high point it. He's a good tackler. If I'm going to build a defense, that's the first guy I want. Now, hopefully, he doesn't smoke a bunch of weed and get kicked off the team. But uh, you know, if we can keep him in line and keep him keep his piss clean, then yeah, give me the honey badger. I'm going to start him.
1: Those are big ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the, yeah. that would have been the tipping point for me. Was like, man, you know, for for <laughs> for as much value as he could bring in different areas, yeah, you know, he really only played one full season there, right? Because. Because of those issues where Well,
0: here at, uh, you know, Bailey A&M We believe in second chances Okay, and, uh okay. Do you and believe, third in, do and you believe fourth. in fourth? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man what, Whatever you gotta do to win, you know
2: Yeah, whatever the winning formula is We'll figure out the off-the-field stuff yep. later I'm
0: like, uh, coach winners off the program Gentlemen, we're not doctors The NC two A has a testing program for this kind of thing I suggest we let them
2: handle it <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So I guess it brings it back around to me uh for my final shot to Jason. Um and it's only appropriate since you gave me a list of Virginia all-time greats that I give you I was coming. a list of Tennessee greats. Oh, okay. So I thought it was going to be Auburn. You're going to I'm giving you a choice between Eric Berry, <sighs> Peyton Manning, and Reggie White. Oh my god. So st- Start, bench, and cut those three.
0: Peyton Manning, Reggie White, and Eric Berry. Yes, sir. Holy Well,
2: I'm going to take... Three really good goddamn football Uh, players, by the way.
0: Good God. I'm going to take a page out of Eric's book here, and I'm going to cut Eric Berry because I don't...
2: Man, no love for the safeties tonight. You kidding me? I don't
0: think he brings the same kind of value as a Peyton Manning or especially a Reggie white and as bad as I hate to do it. Sorry, Peyton, but you're riding the pine, dude. I'm taking Reggie white. <laughs> Reggie am. white is maybe, I mean, he could be the best defensive end of all time. Like the dude is, he, he was a fucking monster, man. Like he was unblockable. I mean, he broke through double teams regularly. The guy was like in Dama Kong suit, but better. I mean, he, he could not be stopped. The only, like, defensive equivalent I can think of to Reggie White was, like, Derek Thomas in college. I mean, that's it's about as close as you can get. So, I'm going to start Reggie White because, I mean, the dude is just one of the all-time greats in the world at defensive end. And I'm going to put Peyton Manning on the bench, bad as I hate to do that, and I'm um, cutting Eric Berry. So.
2: Yeah, I, I respect it. It's it's really a tough call between Peyton Manning and Reggie White, man. I thought that's why it was interesting. You know, Reggie White obviously is, is more well-known for his prolific Hall of Fame NFL career, but, you know, he was a ridiculous player in college as well. I, I think he still holds a lot of Tennessee's uh, statistical records on defense. So I can't
1: say I disagree with you. Quick Reggie White story. Reggie White uh, signed as a free agent with the Packers when I was 15 years old. And that is the closest I've ever come to crying about sports (laughs) was when when they got the pack. Cause I was, I was crushed. I was like, this is the best defensive player in professional football right now. And he's going to the goddamn Packers. You mean
2: we're going to have to play Reggie white
1: twice a year, mom. (laughs) yeah exactly. <laughs> All right Eric uh,
2: go ahead and uh, and hit me with your your final nail in the coffin here.
1: okay Oklahoma Heisman winning quarterbacks. So start bench cut Kyler Murray Baker Mayfield and Jason White. Ooh that's quite the list there.
2: I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the trash out first. Jason White I'm sorry buddy, but ear cut Damn. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to Kyler Murray versus Baker Mayfield, oh man, you know, I, I'm excluding their NFL talent and what they've done there. Not not relevant to this conversation. So I think that for what he can do on the football field and what he can do in college, I am going to start Baker Mayfield. The dude was a I winner like at college. I like it. You know, he was fiery. He knew how to fire up his teammates. I think Kyler Murray is a much better athlete um, than Baker Mayfield is or ever will be. But I don't know that he's just a better overall leader. Um, And that's important at the quarterback position. So Baker Mayfield just wins. All he did was win in college. So I'm starting him. Um, And then I got the assurance knowing when he blows his shoulder out celebrating a first down or some shit that I got Kyler Murray on the bench. So those are my three, man.
1: Nice. No respect for Jason White. Goodness. I wouldn't call it no
2: respect, but I mean, considering the company. Jason
0: White threw for 7,900 yards, 81 touchdowns, and 24 picks for a career rating of 152 pretty solid
2: okay let's look let's look up timmy chang's numbers real quick (laughs) all right
0: (laughs) i should have done hawaii quarterbacks colt
1: brennan versus timmy chang
2: now that would have been an interesting conversation
1: (laughs) oh i i I think you whiffed on that but okay
2: (laughs) to each their own i guess all right jason well hit us with your your final trio here who's on the docket i forgot i think you're going to eric this round right
0: Okay, so sticking in the quarterback game, Eric, I'm going to give you the final one. This is right in your backyard here. So, you know, figure it out. You're going to have to pick between three Florida quarterbacks. Okay. So, the first of which, the most notable Florida quarterback of all time, in my opinion, Tim Tebow, not much question there. Okay. Your second quarterback to choose from is Danny Werfel, the 1996 Heisman winner, won four SEC titles there. And the third quarterback you get to choose from was his coach, Steve Spurrier. So you get to pick from Spurrier, Werfel, Tebow, three guys, three different eras.
2: If you cut Spurrier, I think you might have another story to tell.
1: I, I was gonna say, it, s- this all stems from my bad blood with Steve Spurrier from when he shot me the bird uh, while the Orlando Apollos were practicing at our high school. Uh, Steve Spurrier, you're cut. Oh, <laughs> you're revenge! Play somewhere else. <laughs> you you can craft a really convincing argument that Tim Tebow is had maybe the best college football career ever, so he's the obvious starter. Danny Warfel. Was a lot of fun to watch. To me, he was kind of more of the byproduct of the system and maybe some of the guys around him. And that showed when he he went on to the pros and was just a guy. Um, he was obviously great for for Florida, but I think a lot of guys who were playing at that time could have also been just as great for Florida. I don't know that he was necessarily all that special compared to what a guy like Tim Tebow did. But uh, the old ball coach, uh, you just a guy who played quarterback in the God, must have been the '70s, early '70s, right? It's just it's just a different game. It just is. The the nineteen seventy whatever year he won version of Steve Spurrier probably wouldn't start for a lot of schools uh, in this day and age. So cut Spurrier, bench Warfel, and start Tebow. And well it's obvious the odds makers didn't know what the heck they were talking about.
2: Solid. I like the personal animosity involved as well.
1: Some sins just can't be undone.
2: All right. Well, that rounds us out, boys. Um, I think that was fun, man. Uh, A lot of interesting discussion. But, uh, Jason, I think you got some uh, some more listener mailbag to go through here real quick before we cap it off.
0: Uh, We're going to do it next week, dude. We've run pretty long here, so let's just fucking close. All right. That's thing. fair. Yeah, we're, we'll close this bad boy out. And, uh, Eric, what do we got on the docket next week? We got uh, hot seat rankings. We got our hot seat rankings. Is that what we're doing?
1: We do. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah, um, that one's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And I think going directly like heading right into season previews is maybe the best time to do it uh kind of like a, a little precursor to actually looking at some of these teams is identifying uh <laughs> who who might be on the short leash uh maybe it's good information to have before we get too deep into the previews so next week hot seat rankings and mailbag uh, should be fun before we get to the the stuff we got to research
0: yeah sounds good All right, well, we'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, and our other sponsors as well. You guys can find us on Twitter at SouthendZonePod, and uh, you can find our individual accounts there as well. And uh, we will be back with you next week talking about how your coach is going to get fucking fired uh, this year. So until then, catch you later. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.